Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. As we start today, I'm just going to pray over you, and I want you to be in a mode of receiving. Because I feel like Holy Spirit has something for us today. You know, back in um, the Wales, Welsh Revival in Wales, Evan Roberts, he'd have the congregation pray, Holy Spirit, come more than you've ever come before. Let's just pray that. Holy Spirit, come more than you've ever come before. Amen. Speaking of uh, Wales, uh, Steve and I stayed in Evan Roberts' bedroom when we stayed there two years ago. It was pretty cool. And... Um, when we were driving around Wales, the sheep were everywhere. And we were going down this long road and there were sheep along the side of the road. And half, I felt like God was say, look at the sheep, Lindy, and I'm gonna teach you about the Christians today. And on one hand, the sheep laying on the side of the road for miles, like they look dead. They're laying there, warming their bodies on the road and half of their bodies on the land. And he said, those are the sheep they are in the world. They're part in me, but their lives are in the world, the road. And then there was the pasture, the beautiful rock wall pasture where the sheep would stay, I'm safe, I'm saved, I'm good. I'm very complacent and I'm very happy. And then over here, Steve and I were standing on a cliff one day in Wales, and in the distance, there was this beautiful rock mansion in these green hills covered with sheep overlooking the ocean like the sea of glass. That's where God wants us to live as sons and daughters of God. And I felt like, I didn't know I was going to share this, but I felt like God said, tell them their choice. They can be half and half in the world. They can be complacent, or we all can be living in heavenly places. Amen. I feel like today, you guys, I feel like I'm preaching to a crowd of hungry, fired-up lovers of God. I really do. And, but I feel like we've got to go deeper. We've got to have a desire to go deeper. And six weeks ago, I was reading in John one day. And I read about Nathanael, John 1:47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Now here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motives, which means no guile or deceit. Nathanael was stunned and said, But you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? Jesus answered, Nathanael, right before Philip came to you, I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree. Now in the Bible, fig tree's good, leaves, fruit, you're good. It's like prosperity, your destiny. But Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you. And God challenged me right then, about six weeks ago. He said, imagine Jesus every night sitting on your bed. I saw you today, Lindy. And it's, it's kind of changing my life because every night I lay there and I picture Jesus, I saw you. 
So Nathaniel's this really cool, godly guy. He's sitting there. He's probably reading the word, probably, well, not the Bible, not yet. But he's probably, you know, studying about God. And he, I mean, he could have even been, you know, studying Jacob's ladder. So Jacob, a man of deceit, the opposite of Nathaniel, he saw the ladder go up into the clouds with angels ascending and descending. But let me go back to the word here. Nathaniel blurted out, teacher, you are truly the son of God and the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree? You will experience even more impressive things than that. I prophesy to you eternal truth. And I felt like Jesus prophesied this to Nathaniel, but he wanted to prophesy this to us today. And here's the word. From now on, you will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. Now, I'm about to tell you a story, and I feel like it's a prophetic story of dreams. Um, God speaks to me at night, and it's, uh, it's unbelievably wonderful. And I'm going to share with you some intimate, some amazing dreams, because I know they're speaking to me, and I know they're speaking to you. I know it. In the first dream, I'm going to tell you, and it's amazing the story it tells. The first dream, and all these happened, by the way, in the last several weeks, except for a couple that kind of fit that I'd had maybe a year before. This is the most intimate dream I've ever had. In this dream, I was going to the OB doctor, the baby doctor, and I had an appointment in six months, and I said, I am going now. I was pulling in what's for the future into now because of my passion. I am going right now. I walked into the OB doctor, and there was this huge gate, and these angels opened the gate immediately, and I walked in to this arena. It was like the size of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it was unbelievably intimate and worshipful. There were thousands of people there worshiping. And I was actually walking with Laura and Abigail, and they were, what is this place? What is this? And in this cage, it was like the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but it was a cage. And in this cage, there was this eagle flying around, and we knew it was Holy Spirit. And people were worshiping with all their heart. And it was so intimate, you guys. And um, the Holy Spirit looked at us. He said, I want to impregnate you all. And I was just, it was that, and just to be really real with you, the day after I got married, the night I got married, you know, when you get married, everything changes when you make love. <laughs> and it's like everything I am, I was going to give to Steve. Everything changed. And it, was, it felt like that. I mean, it was just it's such an intimacy. And I, we were just worshiping. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to impregnate you guys. And the next morning I woke up. I'm just being really real. I felt like the morning after we got pregnant with Joshua, my fourth kid. You know, I just, I knew it. I knew I was pregnant. Ephesians 1.17 
I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. Ephesians 2.10, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Now, you might think of this dream, what was he impregnating us with? And he, t I never figured that out. This week, he gave me this scripture here. This blew me away. Song of Solomon 7, 2. You are truly the poetry of God, his very handiwork. Out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit, never failing to satisfy. Within your womb is a birthing of harvest wheat. They are the sons and daughters who will be nurtured by the purity in you in part. This intimacy, this extreme intimacy with the Lord, where he's calling us deeper every day. If I feel great about the Lord today, have a great encounter, tomorrow's got to be greater. He's a never-ending well of incredibleness. <laughs> but in our womb, we're carrying the birthing of the harvest of millions of people who will be saved because of that intimacy. I had a dream, this one was about a year ago. Some of you heard this, but it was such an intimate dream. We were all running frantically in life. Listening to the news, oh shoot, running scared of this, money. We were running with the cares of the world, frightened. And I jumped into this barn just to take a breath and, and not be fearful for a second. And this huge, big, brown, black bear jumped in with me and I was scared to death, and then I looked at his face and realized it was Jesus. And Jesus had the sweetest, most intimate, beautiful face. It was a big bear. And he grabbed me in his arms and held me. And I could feel, I could feel the fur. I could feel the softness. And he said, Lindy, it's time to climb on my back and become one with me, so one with me. And by then, I'm, I'm a bear too, and I have claws. And I'm climbing on his back, and my curly claws dig deep into his fur, and it's unbelievably thick. And it, they're, they're not coming out. And I'm on his back. You can't even see me because I'm just blended in with him. I'm so one with him. And my face is just feeling this unbelievable softness. And what was so cool Jesus would look out and he did, his face was this furious, furious, ferocious warrior. But when he'd look at me, it was this soft, loving God. Now I'm going to tell you another dream I had lately. And I want you to grab the story. He's talking about intimacy and it leads to the harvest. So in this dream, this was right after the eagle in the cage. And by the way, I was sitting there. This is so important. I said, in the eagle cage dream, I said, why is there a cage around Holy Spirit? There would never be. And you know what Holy Spirit told me? He said, not everybody can come in, which really got my attention. The next dream, it was a huge arena, and we were all there, and we were worshiping. And the first thing was so exciting. I got there, and there was Holy Spirit flying over the open arena. 
out in the sky, just wide open, thousands of us worshiping God with all of our heart. And we were loving him. It was incredible. And then Muriel, I don't know if she's here today, in, in the dream she represented a young girl with such a pure heart. I just knew it in the dream. And she walks up and she's got this tray of lipstick. And she said, hey, Lindy, what kind of lipstick do you want to buy? And I went, ooh, I'm going to pick that dark pink right there. I love that color. And she, it's going to cost you. And I went, okay, I'll pay for it. And she was going to go order it for me. And in that part, first of all, I feel like lipstick represents a deep intimacy. But also it's our expression. Each one of us, as we express the glory and the love of God, have our own personality, our own expression. But it's going to cost us. Then the scene shifted and it's the next day. And I go into the arena. Nobody's there except a guitar player. And, but there's Holy Spirit flying around. And my eyes got really itchy. And Holy Spirit said, I want to impregnate your eyes. Psalms 119.18. Open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. 2 Corinthians 4.18. And we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. I believe in this dream, God is calling us to be like a Joshua and Caleb, to see the future, to see what is unseen, to believe and see the impossible. He wants to impregnate our eyes. To, this is not the realm we're supposed to be looking at. We're supposed to be looking on heavenly places, living on the side of that hill, looking at Jesus, focused on everything he's doing. He wants to impregnate our eyes. You know, we've had prophetic words. Sean Bowles two years ago said, Bethel Atlanta, you're gonna have a harvest for over 25 years and then some. Thousands of people coming to be saved. And then Michael Maiden had that prophetic word of out there in that field, there'll be a 200 foot flame, the fire in your hearts that's so burning, the fire that's burning beyond control will make a bonfire that the world will see and they'll come to get saved, healed and delivered and experience the glory of heaven. It is our destiny. Question is, can we see it? Can we see it and believe it? Can we be like a Joshua and Caleb? The next dream I had, and these were all in order, so you just listen to the story. And this pertains to some of us. We're all, we're all in this dream, but some of us are a little stuck. So we're in this boat going down this huge river. Sorry. We're going down this river, and it's kind of the canopy like the Amazon, trees, thickness all along the sides, even over it. We're just traveling in our ministry of loving God. And in the trees, some people's cars are stuck, like they're just parked, stuck. And we're going, oh man, we got to help them out. And we're pulling and tugging and pulling. And then God says, don't pull them anymore. Push them forward. Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then 
another dream happened after that. And this, if you are a teenager in this room, I feel like today is a day that's going to be marked in your life forever. In this dream, I'm climbing this mountain, and I'm coming to talk to you in your youth room. And I walk in there, and you're talking, and you're eating, and I can't get your attention. And finally, I get your attention, and I start talking to you about intimacy with Jesus. And everything shifts. Everything shifts in your life, and you realize who you are, that you're sons and daughters of God, that you are called to be deeply in love with Lord Jesus. Today's such a great day for you guys. I can feel it. And this next dream talks about the harvest. So you can see God's talking to us about intimacy. It was funny, I was telling Dion DeMola about this talk about a week ago, and he said, Michael Kulianos, which is Benny Hinn's son-in-law, he said, that's so weird. He was telling us yesterday, without intimacy, there will be no revival. God is so speaking, you guys. In this dream, I know it's about revival because we all have these big baskets and we're gathering in the newly saved people. And I walk into this room and I got a basket full of baby piglets and they're black and white and they're clean and they're beautiful. And I'm even in the dream going, these piglets don't even poop in the basket. That's what I said in the dream. And I'm sitting there going, this is amazing. And they're just so precious and beautiful. And I look over in the room and there's a huge trampoline on the floor because it hadn't been set up yet. But I know in the dream that trampoline is going to be used to catapult these baby Christians all over the world. I knew it. And then I thought about the piglets and I, I thought about Peter on Cornelius's roof and how God lowered that sheet of things that might be unclean to him. And it made me realize that the unlovely, the unclean, the people that are disgusting to us, they're going to be walking on this property. And as soon as they receive the Lord, they're going to be like these baby, pure, little, precious piglets. <laughs> because as I walked into that room, I threw them on a king-size bed. Because God is going to teach us how to teach them about intimacy. And then they'll be catapulted to their destiny. That same dream shifted the scene and I was looking at the river of life. It was big, but it, the water was low. And in the river, there was all this driftwood sitting here and there on the side. And some people had so much driftwood that it had piled up into little beaver dams, you know, because the fortresses in their life and all this stuff needed to be washed away. Well, in the natural, these rivers and lakes in the south, they lower them in the fall because of the great flood and the rains that come in the winter. I believe God is preparing a flood of his glory that's going to wash all that stuff away, all the stuff in our life that's clogging things up. You know, um, Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel's sitting there. And the flood's at his ankles. Then it's at his knees. Then it's at his hips. And then it's so deep that he has to swim. God is calling us to get ready for this river of God that's going to flow through. 
What's interesting about Ezekiel's, the river, is that when that river started flowing and was mighty and powerful, the trees along the river had leaves for the healings of the nations. People are going to walk on this land, get saved, healed, and delivered. Now, one dream I had a while ago, we were all there. We were in these buses going through the jungle, trying to get to our destination. We were all involved. And we're driving through the jungle, and we come to our destination. We go up this hill, and we get to this beautiful boardwalk as far as the eye could see. Beautiful, pristine beach and the ocean. That's all we can see. It's absolutely gorgeous. The sky is different colors. And we're going, we're here. We made it. And guess what the name of the pier was? Fish everywhere. The lost are coming. Now, what if you're the type, and I've heard it before, that say, you know, I kind of like our church at 500. We've got great worship. We love each other. We kind of know most people. This is wonderful. I don't want thousands walking on our property. I don't want 24-7 revival. I like it like it is. And, I mean, it's legit feeling, unless I'm going to tell you about another dream. I feel like we need to really listen to what Jesus is telling us. In this dream, it was about three silhouettes of Jesus. And I walked up to the first one, and it was the Antichrist. And I went, whoa, no thanks. Then I walked up to the next, and there was Jesus. And he had on the what would Jesus do bracelet. And I was going, I mean, I, I think that's great. But it was, okay, what would Jesus do in these situations? So then I walked to the next one, and it was Jesus. And what happened, I stepped into him and became one with him. In my life, I don't want to ever have a time where I go, what would Jesus do? I want to know what Jesus would do because of my love for him and because I'm so one with him. And the reason I told you that dream is because if I've got this feeling, and this is what, I feel like in my life, this is what I'm crying out to God for. As I'm one with Jesus, my heart needs to be broken when I see people that aren't saved. You know what I mean? And Because I, I know his desire is people come to him. I can't be worried about my inconvenience or I've got to realize, oh, another hundred people, another five bus loads. This is awesome because they're going to know Jesus. Another dream I had, just watch the progression. In this dream, I walked into a house and Father and Son and Holy Spirit were there. And they had this huge bottle of water. It was beautiful, beautiful bottle, clear, sparkly water. I think sparkles are like revelation. And I started drinking and I drank the whole thing and I finished and I went, we don't have this water in our country. We are to live in their country. We are to live in heavenly places. Revelation 22.1, then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, as clean as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This river is coming mightily. It's getting deeper. It's our ankles, our knees, our hips, to where we're going to be swimming in it, 
and I'm not only going to play in it, I want to drink it. I want to lay under the trees with the leaves of healing falling on me and falling on these people. The calling on our life, the promises over our lives is amazing. Okay, this next dream. In this dream, we were, I was driving a jet and we were taken off and we're going down the runway really fast and there's this huge block wall and I throw on the brakes like Fred Flintstone with my tennis shoes, you know, how he used to do. And, and it stops right before the block wall. I even looked at my shoes and they weren't even scuffed. And this scene shifted and we were all there and people were pouring in and this lady walked up to me and she said, I was here a few years ago and you hurt me so bad. You really hurt me. You hurt my feelings. I did, in the dream, I didn't know who it was. I didn't know what I did. But what happened was this spirit of repentance and reconciliation came over me. And I felt such a love from God. I, I said, I'm so sorry. I, legit, I was just repenting to this woman I didn't even know. I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm so sorry. And the spirit of reconciliation came over the crowd and people were just repenting for things, how they'd hurt people. That was the block wall that needed to be torn down. Holy Spirit walked up to Steve and says, isn't this great? Then Holy Spirit got up, got up here and he faced this way and he started worshiping. And the, and the worship team got up here and started worshiping with them. It was so amazing. It's so powerful. We were worshiping like we had never worshiped before. We were following our leader. We were following Holy Spirit. And on the back of his pockets were words. And we were singing the words that he was telling us to sing. And it was the, probably the most holy worship we'd ever been in. It was just intense and awesome that block wall was down. And as we were worshiping, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit turned around and he said, now you can record this. And I felt like, I was telling Vanessa about this like, like uh, about two weeks ago and you know, she's, she can feel revival coming. I mean, she's amazing. And, and, the, and the worship leaders are saying, God, how do we write songs about what you're doing here? How do we write songs about what's happening? But I guarantee you, as Holy Spirit's up here leading, and they're looking at the back of his pockets, they're going to start singing new songs that are going to be recorded for the ages. And like Vanessa said, there's layers of worship that are being laid. They're going to change the worship all over the world. I know I got that, how you say that wrong, but things are shifting. And not only did Holy Spirit say, record this, he, I believe he's talking about what's happening here, what's going to happen here it will be recorded for generations. The calling on your lives is huge. The next dream I had, and this is similar to Zaina's actually, that we were on a camp, we were all standing here, me and Lauren were in this one, and we're sitting here watching, and it is the most crowded, diverse, cultured groups laughing, playing, worshiping, dancing, singing, 
It is the most incredible festival of glory we've ever seen. And me and Lauren are standing there. And Lauren looks at me, she said, there is no way to keep track of what's going on here. And we just laughed because it was so glorious. And I feel like that dream is so for us. If it gets messy, funny, out of control, it's okay. It's okay. In fact, it's great. You know, we've had these prophecies that people will walk on this property and get saved, healed, and delivered. We've had prophetic words that people will be lined up to the interstate waiting to get in here. I had another dream that he actually, God wanted me about three times in the night and he said, all you need is two minutes in my presence. And he woke me up later. All you need is two minutes in my presence. And I feel like that's for the Christians and for the unsaved. I feel like it's going to be that easy, that supernatural. When people walk onto this property after two minutes, what do I need to do to be saved? And I feel like we Christians, any kind of depression or sadness or sickness, Jesus, I'm going to stand in your presence. Two minutes later, they're going to be perfectly healed. I believe that day is coming, and it's probably already here at times. Another dream I had, this was a while ago, and God gives me dreams about dogs. In this, because I love dogs. In this dream, that field, this land was covered with golden retrievers. They are the most beautiful dog in the world. And they were glistening with gold. Dark ones, light ones, mediums, medium colored ones. They were absolutely beautiful. And what was so great, they were all the new people that were saved. But their names are golden retrievers. They're going out to get more more unsaved. God is shifting us because of the intimacy we are carrying, because of, the, because of the increased intimacy that's happening, we are birthing the harvest wheat. So this week I said, okay, God, how do I wrap up? How do you wrap this up? This is a very interesting dream, but I thought it was really powerful. In this dream, we were all in our house, Bethel, Atlanta, when we were in the clouds, we were in heavenly places. It was like Avatar, that kind of scene. And we're out there working on our house. We're working on our lives. We're crying out for a visitation from the Lord. We're working on our balcony. God, God, we want more of you. We want more of you. And then Donald Trump. Now, you got the name means ruler. So I knew in the, I knew in the dream it was Jesus the ruler of all creation. He looked up at us, I'm coming to your house. And that was the dream. And, you know, years ago, Steve and I went to Sea Island, to the cloister, and we got there, and it was weird. There were secret service people everywhere. They were planning six months early for the G8 summit with George Bush and all those leaders around the world. And, but the preparation was at hand. And in, in this house where we are now, where we were, we were preparing. We were loving the Lord. We were giving everything to him. You know, after I woke up from that dream, I immediately started thinking about Zacchaeus. 
So here's Zacchaeus is, and you know the story. He's up in the sycamore tree, and you see the little Sunday school picture, and Jesus is here, and there's Zacchaeus sitting there. Do you know sycamore trees grow to 130 feet, and they're like seven yards around? They're huge. So here's Zacchaeus. He's in this little city. Everybody's hearing Jesus speak. People are getting healed, but he wanted more. He wanted to see and he climbed up in the sycamore tree, high in the sycamore tree, I bet. And we're in our house, in the clouds, on the edge of our balcony going, Jesus, Jesus, we want more. We want a visitation. We want a, a move of God to happen in this place like never before. We don't want to ever settle. John G. Lake said, this is when he is healing the sick, raising the dead, incredible revivalist. By the end of that year, I believe I was the hungriest man for God that ever lived. It was the yearning passion of my soul, asking for God in a greater measure than I knew. My soul was demanding a greater entrance into God, his love, presence, and power. God is calling us higher if we have this amazing outpouring, the next day he's calling us higher. It's never ending. I had this other dream where I'm watching myself and all of us, we're called to climb. I'm climbing this mountain. Come higher, come higher, Lindy, come higher. I get to the edge of the cliff. He said, now fly, and I fly, and I fall down and land in the water. But I go, I'm not dead. I'm gonna do it again. And I go up the mountain again. He's calling us higher. He's calling us higher than we've ever imagined, you guys. We need to set ourselves apart. I talked about Moses a couple of weeks ago, and here Moses is. He sees that burning bush. He goes, whoa, that thing's not burning. I, I got to see. I, I want to see more. I know that has to do with God. It's not burning up. I need to see that. But if I do that, I must turn away from the flock, the things of the world, the things that troubled him, the things, even everything that the world holds, I gotta decide, I gotta decide. He's going, so he decided, I must turn away from the flock. And he faces the bush, the burning bush. When God saw that he turned away from the flock, then he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what great guys. They separated themselves in a terrible time. And then you had King Nebuchadnezzar, this really mean dude. I mean, he's awful. And he's sitting there, and you got to bow down to this aisle right here. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. So he throws them in the fire, and the only thing that burned were the ropes, anything from the world that tied them up. And they're walking with the Son of God in the flames. What was so cool about that and has to do with revival, as we are that intimate with Lord Jesus. So no matter where we're walking, we're walking with him. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, you must, you must bow down. He was furious, the Bible says. Once he saw them walking with Jesus so supernaturally, he immediately said, hey, we're going to serve their God like that. This intimacy... This living in the fire of God, living with the fire of God on our hearts will save the lost.
as they watch us. Romans 8, 19. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Philippians 1, 20. No matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ so that he will be openly revealed through me before everyone's eyes. Do you know that revealing word in the Bible? Revealing the sons and daughters of God is the same word only twice in the Bible used there and used in revelation of Jesus Christ, the title of the book. The revealing of the sons and daughters of God, that's us. All creation's crying. Okay, just tell you a funny story. I'm sitting over there talking to Abigail about this, what I'm talking about, and these two hawks are flying back and forth. I've never seen two at one time, trading trees, like dancing in the air. And then yesterday or two days ago, I was sitting out there and I turned uh, Jesus Culture music on and my windows are down and the geese looked up. It was hilarious. They're all eating in the field. They looked up and they just start walking toward me. It was, it was amazing. All creation is yearning, yearning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. We are called to be burning ones. Song of Solomon 8, 6 and 7. Fasten me upon your heart. This is Jesus talking to you in the most intimate moment of that book. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My love will be stronger than the chains of death and the grave, consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over all your being. Rivers of persecution and pain will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire burning within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. So I'm going to tell you my last little story. And God brought this story back to my mind when I went to Reading about 15 years ago. And he brought it to mind this week. And this is a story, oh my goodness, for us, you guys. So, 50 years ago, 5 I was 13 years old. And I was at church camp. Church camp was our life. When we were little kids through teenage years, man, we loved God and we loved going to church camp. And when we went there, man, we you know, stake out our new boyfriends. We did skits. We did, you know, swimming things and sports and talent shows. It was unbelievably fun, the highlight. So here I am, 13, we're going to senior camp, which is a big deal, you know? And my best friend, Sandy, this guy she was in love with, man, she had a super crush. This new guy from Farrell High School, school named Eddie, he comes to camp and he's not saved. He's 16 and he is unbelievably good looking. Almost as good looking as you, baby. <laughs> so good looking. But he was, 
He was cute. Okay. I digress. Sorry. So anyway. So Sandy has this major crush on this guy. Okay, so the end, every night we'd have teams. So there's about 200 kids, teenagers, at this camp. Great camp. And we go out with our teams, about 20 in each team. And the mindset of my mindset, and most people, I've got to make sure to stand next to the cute guy that I kind of like to hold his hand for 10 minutes. That's where my mind was. So we go out. Now, Eddie is way across the field in another team. So we're sitting there in our teams holding hands, and the counselor saying a goodnight prayer or something. And all of a sudden, from across the field, we hear Eddie, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I want you. I want you, Jesus. Forgive me. He's weeping. He's wailing. He's crying. We're going. And then all of a sudden, 200 teenagers start weeping. We were weeping uncontrollably. The presence of God fell on that place so mightily. And we were all weeping on the ground, crying, sobbing. I remember sobbing, going, what's happening? Why am I crying? Why can't I stop crying? And we went on for about 10 or 15 minutes. It was, it was glorious. And then all of a sudden, one of the leaders, oh, okay, everybody, okay, that was good. I, we got a little carried away. Time to go to your cabins, and it's time to, lights out, 30 minutes. Okay, y'all settle down. Time to go to your cabins. Uh, good night. Okay, night. Yeah. It really is kind of heartbreaking because the presence of God was touching 200 kids wanting to change their life forever. Now, here's the questions, the question that blew me away. And this is, when, in fact, when the two hawks were flying. I felt like God said to me, could it be after 50 years, I found a people who will do anything I ask? Could it be after 50 years, I found a people that want to be so intimately involved with me that, they, that I could trust them with birthing the harvest wheat and birthing the harvest. Could it be a people, could this, could you, could we be the people after 50 years? And I didn't, God brought that to my mind. But he's calling us, he's calling us to such intimacy, the kind you felt on your wedding night and then more because it's supernatural. He's calling us to that kind of intimacy, y'all. Because out of that, there's a birthing of harvest wheat. He's calling us to be so in love with him that all we want to do is be in him and have the same desires that he has. That if we see people on the street, our heart is broken, not disgusted. So what I'd like to do I'd like to worship some more. But I, I want us to know, I mean, it's, it's blowing me away. He's so clear. I mean, it's so clear where the calling on our lives. And I know I'm preaching to, I'm preaching to the most fired up people I know, but we've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. We can't, I can't, we cannot settle. We can't settle for being, oh, I'm in love with God, that all is great. 
I know we're in love with God and all is great, but we need to step deeper. We need to get on that hillside and be face to face with Jesus. This is where I live. This is where I stay. Whatever you tell me to do here in heaven, I'm going to do it on earth. He's calling us. And I, I'd like... I'd like us to worship, but I'd like us to do business with our heart because God's calling us so much deeper, so much. He's looking. He's looking for those people. I, I believe it's us. In that dream, he said, I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus' house, I guarantee, was never the same again. So let's all stand. Just love on the Lord and see what He tells you. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.